Welcome to AnyCast. I'm your host, Peyton Macy's. Today we will be talking about the eight kyber crystals, the seven fighting styles, the different types of lightsabers, and the lore that surrounds them. We will gain a deeper understanding of the Jedi and the Sith overall. So without further ado, let's begin today's episode. Hey guys, welcome to AnyCast. I'm your host, Peyton Macy's. Today, we will be talking about the eight kyber crystals and the seven fighting styles of the Jedi and Sith, and the lore that surrounds them. We will gain a deeper understanding of what these crystals represent and who has wielded them. So, let's look at the eight kyber crystals. Coming in at number one, blue. Blue lightsabers represent righteousness and liberty, er, sorry, and bravery. This is the most common crystal among the Jedi. Luke Skywalker used Anakin Skywalker's lightsaber because old Ben Kenobi gave it to him. Then in the sequels, Maz Kanata gives Finn Anakin's saber, which is later which later is given to Rey. Obi-Wan Kenobi, Kanan Jars, Alea Sakura, Plo Koon, Ezra Bridger, Kalkiesis, Kayata Mundi and so many, many more Jedi have wielded this crystal in their sabers. This is the most iconic and well-known crystal. And the reasoning for this is it's just the most typical among the Jedi. This crystal calls out to them most on the planet moon or the planet of Ilum. Ilum is an icy planet where there are crystals everywhere. But as a Jedi, we must go through these trials and we, as Jedi, must get past the darkness and the lies of the Sith and find the, the crystal that is calling us. Coming in at number two is green. Now, Jedi with the traits of harmony, helpfulness, cooperation, spirituality, and demonstrable goodwill usually get the green crystal. Yoda, Yaddle, Kit Fisto, Luke after episode 6, Qui-Gon Jinn, and Ahsoka got green sabers. Now, this is a more rare crystal. Few Jedi got this back in the days of the Jedi Council. And when I say few, I mean less than half, which might sound like a lot because there were many Jedi back in the days of the Jedi Council. But you had to show a lot good characteristics and be a very advanced Jedi to get this. Now, Ahsoka is not a Jedi and she did have pale green sabers but she never got the full green because well she left as a Padawan because her best friend well one of her better friends framed her as a terrorist blowing up the Jedi temple. Now, number three, purple. Possibly the most unique crystal is purple. Mace Windu is the only Jedi with this, and the reason for this is Samuel L. Jackson asked George Lucas to make his lightsaber unique and picked purple because it is reported that purple is his favorite color. Now, Samuel L. Jackson not only got a purple saber, but he also ingrained bad mother effort on his saber hilt. If you don't believe me, go look this up. 
Mace Windu with lightsaber hill, and you will see the images of it and where it's engraved. Number four, yellow. It has been said that this crystal's meaning is for those who balanced both scholarly and combat evenly. It is used by the Jedi Temple Guards throughout the universe and the timeline of the universe, but it was more common before the prequels. It has now fallen out of practice. Now, I have not read or listened to the High Republic novels, but I have seen cover art, and I'm pretty sure there's a lot more yellow sabers than we've ever seen before in that in that entire series. So that's really cool that they're bringing the yellow sabers back. I whenever when I first found out about the yellow saber, I thought it was really cool, even though it's only primarily for the Jedi Temple Guards, who kind of aren't even Jedi. They're just like Bendus with lightsabers in a sense. But they're not Bendu. Anyway. And Bendu is like the balance between the Force. He is the Force, basically. Now, number five, orange. Orange is actually the latest crystal to be developed. It was first introduced in the video game Jedi Fallen Order as some pre-order exclusive content. Then, later the same year that Jedi Fallen Order was released, Rise of Skywalker was released. And at the end of this, at the end of that film, Rey becomes a Skywalker, and she ignites her new lightsaber as it is shown orange on the desert planet of Tatooine. There is no meaning of this crystal so far, so I'm sure in some time Disney or Star Wars will come out and make a meaning for this crystal and give it traits. So technically, Calciestus got this crystal but that depends on how you view it i view it that he did because they gave him the permission to use it in this video game and if you got it on pre-order content and equipped it to him then he used it but for the main story's sake he used boogie Morning. now number six white so ahsoka actually purified two red crystals that she won in combat against killing an inquisitor now if you don't know what an inquisitor is it is darth vader's secret band of dark force users with red lightsabers their task is to hunt down the remaining bits of the jedi order this was issued after order 66 and in rebels episode 1 we see vader through a hologram command the grand inquisitor to locate the jedi that are left now ahsoka made these crystals white by bleeding the darkness out which we will get to what bleeding, crystal bleeding, is in the next crystal. She is also the only one we have seen wield this crystal. White, in my opinion, is more representative of pure, and it is for the Jedi Force users, the Jedi who are Force users and aren't a part of the Jedi religious ways, and they do not have to abide by these Jedi rules. Number seven, red. Red is the second most iconic crystal. This is the crystal of the Sith. To gain a red crystal, you must bleed out the crystal. What I mean by this is you pour all your hatred and darkness into the crystal. Count Dooku, Darth Vader, Emperor Palpatine, Kylo Ren, Darth Maul, Asad Ventress, Savage Press, and just about every other Sith out there 
actually all Soulbounder, have this crystal in their blades. Now the Inquisitors also use this crystal in their blades to fight against the Jedi, just I guess to symbolize that they are on the side of Vader and their loyalty is only to Vader and they will be doing whatever means are necessary to appease Vader. Number eight, black. So black is from the Darksaber and only the Darksaber so far. It is possibly the coolest one out there of the crystals. Now, the Darksaber looks like a sword that a samurai would use. Tar Vizsla made this blade because he was the first Mandalorian Jedi ever, which is really big because the Jedi have very strict standards and the Mandalorians are more so about battle and the Jedi are more so about peace and disarming your enemies. And well, the Mandalorians are more ruthless and they believe, well, to get a point across, we must kill. Now, after Tar Vizsla died, the Jedi kept the Darksaber on display for respectful purposes. But as the Old Republic fell, House Vizsla attacked the Jedi Temple and stole the Darksaber. Now it has been passed down to many generations over the years. This is now the symbol of leadership amongst the Mandalorians. The only way to attain it is by defeating the other in combat. And yes, I know that Bo-Katan and Sabine Wren and a couple other Mandalorians disregarded this rule and just claimed it simply. But the way to claim it is by winning in combat, for this is the Mandalorian way. And what I mean by that is this is really the most basic fundamental way. And just because of peop some people disregarded it, even though it makes it a little bit tricky and people still looked up to those people who disregarded this rule, Winning it in combat is still the way that we should look at it as. Moving on now to the seven fighting forms. Now, this area is more complex and unknown to general to the general Star Wars fans. Even some diehard fans might not know that this is such a thing. When we see the Jedi and Sith swinging their sabers, it's, there is a deeper meaning. It's not just some people in ropes that swing randomly. So let's dive into the seven fighting forms. Starting off at number one, we have Shicho. Now, every single Jedi is required to learn Shicho. This form is more basic and is used to disarm, strike, and the more basic Jedi moves like parrying and stuff like that. This is a more peaceful way to fight. A Jedi will disarm the enemies or just simply strike down some battle droids in combat. Sith also learn this form. It's just that they don't simply disarm, rather they will kill you in combat. It is worth noting that not only does this form teach you to parry, but it also is the fundamental Jedi way. Kit Fisto was the master of Chicho, which is a pretty big deal. Especially for his time, there were hundreds upon hundreds of Jedi. Number two, Makashai. The second form, Makashai, was created by the Jedi. Now, what's so interesting about it is that Count Dooku, Asajj Ventress, and the Grand Inquisitor all practiced this form. 
This form is much more elegant and professional. It, it relies on control and grace. This form more aligns more with the Jedi than the Sith, but the Sith use it most with it values both offense and defense. And the purpose of this form is to counter the attacks of the Sith or Jedi. Kayadamundi is the only Jedi that intensely practices this form, but Count Dooku was the master of this form. Number three, Sorosu. Now, Sorosu is the resilience form. Sorosu was created because of the increase in blasters across the galaxy. Sorosu relies on defense, defensive capabilities to all threats. With the use of deflection, parries, and blocks, this form comes in handy. Tranquility is needed for this form as a trait. Deba Bilba, Kanan Jarrus, and Mara Unduli all had, had skill in this form, but the great Obi-Wan Kenobi was the master of Surusu. Moving on now to number four is Ataru. Ataru is, a, is an aggressive form that focuses on the attack and it works great in large areas. The goal of this form is actually to end the fight as soon as possible. Now, this is a very complex form because you need to be good at acrobatics and also, of course, being good at, with being in touch with the force and swinging a saber at the same time. Now, Grandmaster Yoda was the master of Ataru. Ezra Bridger studied this form as he watched Master Anakin Skywalker through the holocron that he had. And Alea Sakura was also a master of Ataru, but not the Grandmaster. At number five, we have Xi'an and Dijin. So, form five has actually two principles. Xi'an appeared first and allowed a reverse grip on lightsabers, focusing on deflecting blaster bolts back in an enemy. So you must be skilled in using the force to deflect a bolt back at your enemy. The gem so was made for the melee block. The gem so allowed for little mobility, moving only to press the assault. Ahsoka Tano was talented in this form along with Anakin Skywalker, also known as Darth Vader, was the master of this form. So it makes a lot of sense that Ahsoka was very skilled in this for form since Snips was Anakin's Padawan. Number six, Nimon. Now, this form was widely accepted amongst the Jedi. This form is more so for the double-bladed lightsaber users with force powers. This helps you focus more so on the force rather than the blades. It is a form that takes its qualities from the other five forms before it, just avoiding weaknesses, but at the same time, not allowing those forms to reach full strength. Niamin requires strong mental strength, and surprisingly, it is more so loved. The most well-known ones that practice this form are Darth Maul, Savage Press, and the Inquisitors. I'm sure that even Cal Kiestis is skilled in this because he did have a master with a double-bladed lightsaber. Also, Cal does get the double-bladed lightsaber later on in the story of Jedi Fallen Order once he goes to Ilum. Number 7, 
Our final form is ferocity form, which is a combination of Joyo and Beiban. Joyo is very controversial amongst the Jedi Order. The meaning of this controversy is that this form calls the practicer of the form to lean hit onto his or her emotions. Now, the Jedi is all about detachment and no emotion, but some Jedi like Luke Skywalker or Rey have more emotion because the Jedi Order is gone by that time. Vapad got developed in the final decades of the Jedi Order. It required of darkness inside of the practitioner and channeling it in the right way. Not many studied this form, because why would you if you're a Sith? You would just want to go all out in the darkness. But Jedi Master Mace Windu studied these forms and put them into practice. Mace not only mastered Vapad, but he also created it. Mace died, but he never was a Sith, or had any Sith-like ways, to my understanding. So, he did succeed in using Vapad for only good. lightsaber types. Now, prior to me researching the, this for this episode, um, I was unaware that there were different types of, like, 14 different types of lightsabers. I only thought that there was the standard and um, the double blade. That's really it. Um, but there are 14 different out there in the universe, in the universe so far. So, let's dive in on this one. Coming in at number one, the standard lightsaber. The standard lightsaber was first introduced in episode four, A New Hope. This lightsaber is owned by most Jedi. Anakin's saber is a standard saber. The plasma blade is generated by the kyber crystal within the hilt. Usually, this crystal is located towards the middle of the hilt, near the switch. Anyone can use a lightsaber only, a force user can operate it to its full potential. Number two, dual phase sabers are lightsabers with two kyber crystals inside the hilt. This was also first introduced in episode four, A New Hope. Darth Vader wielded this unusual saber. This saber became, came from an older and more violent time. With the flick of a switch, Vader came, can switch the length of the blade by swapping the position of the two crystals. So that means if you're in close combat with Vader, he can go shorter, and if you're just two inches uh, away from the blade, he can switch that, um, he can hit that switch, and you'll be dead, because the blade will be inside of you now. Number three, training sabers. Training sabers are shown in episode two, Attack of the Clones. We see Yoda, training with the younglings. The younglings have training sabers that are set to a very low injury settings. These are unique because with this we now know that for some sabers you can put a less injury setting on. I wonder if this applies to all the other sabers, and if so, do the Jedi have theirs at an average 
setting, and did the Sith have them at a more the most powerful, or did the Jedi just put it at the lowest setting, or are the Jedi using the most powerful to eliminate the evil in the galaxy? Questions to ponder at night. Anyways, moving on with number four, the Protosaber. Now, I don't have an Oculus Quest, which is a virtual reality gaming console, but in the game Vader Immortal, it introduced Star Wars fans that got to play it to the Protosaber. This saber features corkscrew prongs twisting around the base of its blue energy blade and a fan-like structure connecting the cross guard to the hilt. The crystal is actually exposed and mounted on some sort of an ignition ring. So think of it this way. You're holding a hilt and the fan is the emitter. But at the same time, that fan is holding onto a crystal and the plasma blade is shooting up and out of that crystal with the crystal exposed out there. So technically, if you are a Sith or Jedi possibly strong enough, you could probably steal that crystal because it's not secured in there tightly. But I don't know for sure about that. Number five, shoulder blades. Shoulder blades are the blades that Ahsoka Tano has. First introduced in the Clone Wars, where one blade is longer than the other. This was for a more aggressive force user. One blade has a curved hill, more so curved than Count Dooku's saber, though. Number six, the double-bladed lightsaber. Now, the double-bladed lightsaber is extremely well-known. It was introduced in episode one, The Phantom of Menace, when Darth Maul took off the hood of his uh, robes. He then released his saber and had it lying horizontally, and ignited one blade, and then the other. Now, Darth Maul and his brother Savage Press most famously wielded these sabers throughout the Clone Wars. There have been few double-bladed sabers in the entire galaxy. Now, of course, also Cal Kiestis had this type of a blade, but at the same time, his in beginning was, of course, first a double blade, we presume because it's broken throughout the first half of the game. And then it breaks some more. Or wait, no, sorry. Number seven, the Switchblade. Now, the Switchblade was shown in episode nine, The Rise of Skywalker. But it was actually originally introduced by Pong Krell in the Clone Wars. Now, if you do not know who Pong Krell is, spoiler alert, but he backstabs his team of clones on a planet. I forgot which one exactly, but yes, he imposes himself as a Jedi, but is an imposter and actually works for the Separatists. Anyways, this is very similar to the double-bladed saber. The only difference is that with the touch of a button, it can go from two parallel blades facing up to then the horizontal blade, kind of like Darth Maul's. Number eight, pikes. Now, not the Pike Syndicate, but lightsaber pikes. They were used by the Temple Guards on Coruscant. Most famously, though, they were used in Rebels and the Clone Wars as the Temple Guards guarding whichever temples that they had to. These sabers are primarily yellow, and the reason for this is that these twin yellow blades are symbolic of the eternal flame of the Jedi Order and the vigilance from its protect. From, of its protectors. So basically, 
The temple guards are protectors who protect the temple, and then they use these lightsabers to show their honor to the Jedi Order by having them yellow. Number nine, the cross guard saber. Now, Kylo Ren shows off this unique blade in episodes seven, eight, and nine. When The Force Awakens came out, though, people thought this lightsaber was new and fresh. That is false, though. In Star Wars Rebels Season 2, Episode 22, Ezra sees a crossguard saber near the Sith Temple by a dead, we presume, Jedi. Now, what does this mean? It means that this saber has one blade that is standard size, facing horizontally up, and the other two are maybe at the same placing on the, their, their two horizontal on the sides that are about the length of your thumb probably or maybe four inches um and that is because as we see kylo ren fight finn he can then burn the shoulder so that when he, you are clashing with the sabers together he can turn this lightsaber and burn your shoulder off or at least hold number 10 the inquisitor's sabers now these sabers are actually a little bit different than Darth Maul's saber and, of course, Switchblade's saber. The Inquisitor's sabers have mechanics in the hilt, which makes them so unique. These blades can sp spin spiral like a helicopter or a buzzsaw. They were first introduced in Star Wars Rebels, of course, with the Grandmaster Inquisitor and the other few Inquisitors. And, of course, in Jedi Fallen Order, you get more Inquisitors. Number 11. The lightsaber whip. Now, this has been reintroduced in the High Republic series. This was the first shown and most mostly used in the Star Wars Extended Universe. The Night Sisters of Dothamir use this whip a lot throughout the Clone Wars. However, their whips are pink and look like a crackling saber instead of a steady in the balance of the Force saber. Maybe that is because the Night Sisters themselves aren't Force users. But who knows? Jedi Knight Vern Verntestra Rao constructed one at the guidance of the Force. Number twelve, the Dark Saber. Now, as we discussed earlier, Tar Vizsla made this this blade because he was the first ever Mandalorian Jedi. Kind of looks like a samurai sword. And if you had forgotten the entire history of Tar Vizsla, well, you can go back and listen to it on the kyber crystals it, near the beginning it was crystal number um, eight i think now number 13 ezra's first saber now in rebels ezra bridger gets taught by kanan jars ezra at first only has an energy wrist rocket defense mechanism but then when he when in a Jedi temple on the fall that him and Kanan access, he gains a blue kyber crystal. He makes this hilt, though, to where he there is a gun on it, but at the same time, the blade can be ignited. It's a really unique design, and when I first saw this, I thought, wow, that's really, really cool. Um, I want to get one of these uh, plastic sabers. Well, you can get them. Uh, they're very overpriced now. They are $40, because the show is a little bit older. Number 14, finally, 
we have the light spear. Now, yet another lightsaber type that I or anybody else really knows of. In the High Republic novel, Light of the Jedi, this concept is talked of. This is the only and first time the light spear has been brought up. There is actually no description of this blade in the book. It is just been simply spoken about. Now, I did try finding an excerpt from the book, and um, I couldn't find anything for an excerpt. So, and I've never read the High Republic novels, and I don't really plan on reading them or listening to them. But if you want to go discover that, then you can go and check out Light of the Jedi. you have enjoyed this deep dive as much as I did. Make sure to leave a five-star review and tell your friends about any cast. Share it, rate it, leave reviews, please do. It helps us out. Also, join the Discord server in the description down below. I hope you've gained a greater insight into these crystals, fighting forms, lightsaber types, and who's obtained them. May the Force be with you, for it surrounds us, so use it for good, my fellow Force users. Until next time.